0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. Here to amplify diverse voices in media, I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed on all of them, and you can also play the episodes directly from the website abouttreeview.com, which has full links to the show notes, guests, and all of that information. If you want to support the show, you can do that from the website with the support tab. There's a direct PayPal link as well as an Amazon wishlist. If you want to help out the studio and pick up a gift, that would be great, especially around the holidays. That would make me feel very special. The other thing is make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About Tree on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is going to be yet another solo episode. So it is just me the studio, the empty studio, and you, my dear listeners. So uh, yeah, On on this episode, I'm going to be reviewing two films which will be in theaters this weekend. Both had some kind of limited releases, so they might not be out exactly this weekend depending on where you are, but they will be in theaters very soon, hopefully, I think, depending on your market. I think that is enough caveats. The first is going to be Honey Boy, and then from there, I will talk about Waves. Before I can get to either of those reviews, we need to go to the original theme song created by Damon Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. One thing I want to talk about before I go into the reviews for this week's episode, I wanted to give a big shout out and thank you to the Seattle Film Summit, which happened this past weekend here in Seattle, or technically it was in Renton, but the Seattle area, uh, that was where I presented a panel called Diversity in Film Criticism. I had been talking about it for a couple weeks on the episodes and it happened this weekend my guests on that panel were Kathy Fennessy and Renee Sanchez and yeah we just we talked about the blatant lack of diversity both when it comes to gender ratio and ethnic ratio in film criticism on the wider scale talked about that talked about some possible solutions dare i say with the three of us just kind of talking about numbers and the things that we are doing. But yeah, so thank you to everybody who came out to that panel. It was a pretty solid room. About half of the people in the room were filmmakers themselves. So that was a cool way to have a conversation you know, with filmmakers, because they're talking to film critics. And we talked about kind of the access that people have and the ways for local filmmakers and filmmakers in general to get in contact with critics. So one of the things I told one of the film critics there, she asked about a short film that she had just recently wrapped. And she was like, how do I make sure to get it out there? How do I make sure it gets seen? I told her straight out, reach out to us. Some of us, you know, are able to completely create our own content. We do all of our own production. We do all of our own writing, whatever that may be. So if you are a filmmaker Go to SeattleFilmCritics.com. It lists all of the film critics in our society currently, Film Critics Society. Reach out to us. Hit us up on social media. Send us an email and just be like, hey, I have a film. It is a short film. It is a feature film. I have no idea if it is going to get distribution, but here it is. And you can get some feedback that way. Some critics are just not going to have the time to do that because they work for bigger publications or because they only really have time to do the movies and critics or reviews that they are assigned. That being said, there are several of us critics who would love to see your work, so reach out to us. Uh, I might put up eventually the audio uh, from that panel. It was not the greatest audio. Um, I took some video of it as well, and I brought my Zoom H6 recorder because I was like, this is going to be great. I will get some great audio. <clears throat> and then uh, forgot the microphone for the Zoom recorder. I brought the Zoom recorder, just not the XY capsule that goes on top. So the only audio I have is from, like, my phone, which is recording everything. So I might try and tweak that a little bit, maybe put that up there uh, in case people are interested. If you are interested in that, hit me up. Let me know uh, about Trivia at gmail.com. And, yeah, we can talk about that. Uh, but, yeah, so thank you again to uh, Ben Andrews. And everybody at the Seattle Film Summit, all the volunteers, they really helped out with the structure of kind of getting us going uh, in the panel. So thank you again to that. Thank you again to Kathy and Renee for being part of that adventure, because it was actually the first panel that the Seattle Film Critics Society has ever put on. And one of the big goals that I have in the society over the next year or two is to really help and really be a voice in the community when it comes to diversity and inclusion. I kind of created yet another board position. I'm already on the board of the SFCS. I kind of created another one, which is the kind of chairperson of the diversity and inclusion initiative. Yeah, uh, because I have so much free time, so might as well, but it is important to me. It is very important to me that both critics and filmmakers, we recognize the disparity And we do something about it. We at least try to do something about it. And that was what I was trying to do with the panel. Is really just kind of get our voices out there. Recognizing the problem. And talking to filmmakers about how all of us can kind of help. And hopefully, hopefully encouraging other visible minorities. And people from other marginalized groups. To pick up the pen. Pick up the microphone. Start being a film critic. Start something do something you can go on letterbox and create a free account and if you want to be part of the conversation, the barrier entry has never been lower. So please use a creative outlet, get your words out there if you want to be part of the conversation and I welcome those those dialogues. So yeah, that was just kind of I wanted to get that uh, out there and talk about it because it was a really cool experience and I am thinking about submitting that same type of panel, at a couple other film uh, events and other events coming up. So look forward to those. Now that the business side of things, business side of the episode is taken care of, we will go right into the first film review of this week's episode, and that is Honey Boy. Now, this is directed by Alma Harrell, who is known for her documentaries. She actually won the top prize at TIFF a few years ago. I guess what year was it? It was 2011, and it was Tribeca. Sorry, not TIFF. The Tribeca Film Festival for her documentary Bombay Beach, and Honey Boy was written and stars Shia LaBeouf. Uh, it also stars Lucas Hedges, Noah Jupe, uh, FKA Twigs plays a big role in this, Lara San Giacomo. But really, that the heavy hitters are Shia LaBeouf, Lucas Hedges, Noah Jupe, and FKA Twigs. So this is a autobiographical story of essentially Shia LaBeouf's childhood acting career. And what was interesting when I was putting together the show notes for, for this episode, I realized there are two similarities between the first movie I will talk about, Honey Boy, and the second movie, Waves. Both of them really rely on this father-son Dynamic and this father son tension that we have. The other thing is, Lucas Hedges is in both of these. As I have said before, Lucas Hedges stays busy. This kid only really started being in, you know, bigger movies like 2012. He has already been nominated for an Oscar for Manchester by the Sea. Pretty much every movie except for like maybe one in the past four years that he has been a part of has been nominated for an Oscar either for writing or screenplay or actor. Like he and his agent are doing fantastic work and he is really good. So that helps. It is not just that he is getting work. He is also pretty damn good. So like I mentioned, Shia LaBeouf wrote and stars in this film and he plays the, the father of Otis, Otis. When we first see him, is actually I'm trying to think if, in the opening if we see him as the boy or as the adult. We see Otis at two different stages at his life, in his life. One is 12 years old, and one is at 22 years old. The 12 year old version played by Noah Jupe, and then 22 played by Lucas Hedges. It goes back and forth between these two time periods in a really interesting way because we see the repercussions in his adult life of what happened to him in his childhood. As we know, most people just being (laughs) fans of TV and movies, child stardom is brutal. And not very many child stars kind of make it through unscathed. Various things happen. When you have that much pressure on you from such a young age it it just is tough. And so it was really interesting to see Noah Jupe as the young Otis going through his day to day you know world becoming a known star and yet living in this kind of rundown you know motel with his dad in this tiny little room, you know, with other people in the surroundings, you know, doing drugs and, you know, sex work. So he is in this environment in his real life and then has to pretty much completely distance himself when he goes into the professional world. And you start to see those things as a child that, again, they they manifest later in life when he is going through horrible depression, when he is trying to put his life together because he was never really allowed to have a normal childhood. Now, all of this, you know, like I said, is autobiographical. Those of us who remember like even Stevens and Holes, things like that, we saw Shia around the same age and then we see him now. He has gone through a lot of stuff in his personal life. There was a few years ago when he was just shrouded in controversy for a lot of different issues. He was in rehab. He was out of rehab. He completely plagiarized a graphic novel into a movie and then said that he did not mean it, but his apology was also completely plagiarized from a different source. It was a really weird time. In 2019, with this movie, Honey Boy, and with his other movie, Peanut Butter Falcon, we are really starting to see Shia LaBeouf in his most nuanced roles. I think now because he, well, has just kind of grown up a little bit and is starting to realize those stories that have been plaguing him, he wants to get out there. And the whole reason that he wrote Honey Boy was when he was in rehab himself a few years ago and dealing with, you know, things with his father and dealing with those scars from his his childhood, we see that pain manifest into this film. It is always interesting when you have a film like this because it very easily could ride the line of just narcissism and ego. You do get a, a little bit of that. It is hard to disassociate from that when you are doing when you're basically writing and starring in your own story, but as your dad, but it is not enough to really take away from the movie to me because that, that is a difficult situation to be like, I want to write through my pain. I want to write through my depression and my scars and present it to the world and play the man who pretty much put me through all of that. So that catharsis that he was going through in rehab manifested to the screen. FKA Twigs' role in this film. Her character's name is just shy girl, which is kind of weird. That is what she is credited as on IMDb. So she is is a sex worker, or at least that is what we are heavily what is heavily implied in the film. She hits it off with with the young Otis, and there are several scenes that are very uncomfortable. To watch, they kind of start to make your skin crawl a little bit because there is such a huge age gap, maybe not huge, I would say at least 10 year age gap between the 12 year old Otis and the, again, approximately 22 year old shy girl as FK or FKA twigs as shy girl. So when they are alone together and he is obviously hurting. And he is obviously needing some sort of maternal figure to just give him some affection, or not even maternal, well, maternal for sure, but just support in a way that is different from his dad, which is pretty aggressive and can be kind of violent. So she offers that support, and so there are these really touching, endearing moments, but it it really rides the line and the filmmakers definitely made a solid choice to get as close to that line as possible without going over it. Like to the point where, I mean, I was kind of squirming in my seat in the theater because of how uncomfortable it made me. If a film does that to you, I have said it before and I will say it again. If a film gives you that type of reaction, it worked like that it if it pulled you in so much where again, you might be gro it might be grotesque or it might be something else. But if you are physically feeling away while watching a movie, love it or hate it, it works. And so, as I mentioned, you know, his his dad, who he plays, we see him going to various, you know, alcoholics anonymous meetings, uh, narcotics anonymous meetings. And, you know, talking about his story and talking about how long he has been sober. But we get this feeling where we're never quite sure if those are all his stories. Or if he has kind of cobbled them together to tell his own narrative for these different groups. And that is an interesting dynamic as well. It is similar, I would say, to Fight Club. How you get, you know, these characters going to the meetings for their own selfish reasons either to make themselves feel better or to create their own narrative, to get sympathy. I got that feeling a lot from Shia as as James in this film. And we never really know for sure. And that I thought was done really well. The struggles with addiction and being a single father are really, really strong. In this film. Because again. Shia is pulling. From not only his direct experience. From going through rehab. But also as we see in this film. Pulling from his life. And being like. Growing up with the dad who was like this. Regardless of what path he went down. You know. The son went down. Seeing that role model in your life. Can kind of twist things. So. yeah, The whole ensemble for this. And it was definitely, I mean, it was a small cast. Laura San Giacomo, I mentioned, you know, plays a psychiatrist who the older Otis at 22 is working with while he is in rehab. You know, she definitely plays a role, but for the most part, this is just a really tight cast. Lucas Hedges is great. The kid is just solid, (laughs) like good for him. He just, he is working really hard. Um, And yeah, Noah Jupe, like we have in the Seattle Film Critics Society, one of our annual awards is best youth performance. Noah Jupe just, he crushed it. He was really believable as this young man trying to be an actor and pursue that while also not even sure if that is where he wants to go. But he knows that that is a path that his dad kind of wants and that I'm not saying it's Pushing him into, but his dad, you know, is a former circus performer. And so it is kind of in his blood already. So going through those transitions from a younger actor to then we see him as an older, you know, 22 year old actor and still dealing with a lot of those repercussions. So yeah, this was a really solid film. Again, I think some people are going to see this as just kind of an egotistic experiment to let Shia LaBeouf get rid of some of his demons. And that might be valid, but it was still done well. And I think if we were to dismiss all of the creative projects that we see that come from a point of ego, there would not be much out there. So I understand where Shy was coming from of needing to work through that and using his creative outlet of writing and acting and producing. He helped produce this film as a channel to kind of work through those things. And I respect that. He definitely is still kind of problematic in a few different ways, but that is outside of this film. So the rating system for this podcast, there are only three choices. No stars, no letter grades. The three choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something that you would recommend to a friend. A bad film is something you came out of the theater and you were not super jazzed about. It was just kind of there. And then ugly is avoid at all costs. Honey Boy, directed by Alma Harrell and written and starring Shia LaBeouf, Lucas Hedges, and Noah Jupe, and FKA Twigs, uh, gets a good from me. This is a solid film. I really appreciated kind of where he was coming from and the messaging that he wanted to get out there. So Honey Boy gets a good. Now, moving on to the next film, which also has Lucas Hedges in a... Uh, I would say... I mean, he starts off as like a barely seen character. And then the last third of the movie is pretty much the Lucas Hedges and Taylor Russell show. So, this movie, Waves, which is directed by Trey Edward Schultz. Now, Trey Edward Schultz did one of my favorite films from 2017, which was It Comes at Night, which was just this spooky, weird, family tension (laughs) horror movie that was done really well. This is a departure, obviously, from the the horror post-apocalyptic element, but still with a heavy, heavy hand in the family dynamic and the family drama genre. I really had to slow myself down to say that because I knew I was going to trip it up, but it came out really well. Family drama genre. Uh, so, with Waves, directed by Trey Edward Schultz, written by Trey Edward Schultz, and this has a stacked cast. So as far as the the immediate family that we see, the nuclear family that we see, it is Sterling K. Brown, who has won a gajillion awards, deservedly so. Renee Elise Goldberry, who has also won a bunch of awards, including a Tony for Hamilton. She was also in Rent and has been in a bunch of things. She was in Altered Carbon last year, which I really enjoyed. Uh, And then the two younger actors we get. Are Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Taylor Russell. Taylor Russell, she did, well, she has also been done a bunch of stuff, like Lost in Space, she did recently, among a bunch of other movie projects. So that is our nuclear family right there, the four of them. Kelvin is, you know, a top-tier athlete in high school, you know, in the wrestling program, but he's also struggling with some pain pill addiction. Obviously, with the pressures of being a top high school athlete are tough, let alone his dad, Sterling K. Brown, is continually pressuring him to not just give 100%. That is what any good kind of role model should do, but he is pushing and pushing and pushing him to give even more, even when he can tell that his son is going through some pain, so that kind of obviously plays out in various ways in the film. Taylor Russell is the the younger sister who this film, I mean, this is a tough one to talk about too much because there's such a huge shift at about the two thirds marker of, of the film where it really changes dynamics and becomes pretty much a different movie altogether. And so with that, I can only really kind of go over some of the performance aspects and the, and the acting because the storyline, I honestly kind of wish this had been like a three-part Showtime or HBO miniseries. Not that it was, it was not done well. It was just the, the split that we have in this movie at that kind of beginning of the third act. It just takes the film in a completely different direction that does not really feel as connected to the first two-thirds. So those first two-thirds, I will, I will start there. We get this kind of frenetically paced film about Calvin's journey. You know, through high school, he has his girlfriend, uh, Alexis, played by Alexa Demi, who was in mid-90s last year and a couple other projects. You know, it basically is this young love story, you know, of these high schoolers as they... You know, live hard and party hard with drugs and alcohol at the ready pretty much any time they want. This takes place in Florida, and so, you know, you always see them at bonfires on the beach and having a great time. Kelvin has some deep inner demons that we see manifest a few different times in this film in terrifying ways like the anger that he portrays comes from such a raw and real place that it was just it was it was hard to watch in the sense of you just truly felt for this character and you could tell everything that he was he was going through and it was just it was painful it was definitely painful one thing that I definitely want to highlight and I pulled up his name let me double check Oh, now I don't know where it is. Uh, The cinematographer for this film did a phenomenal job. So it it takes a special type of eye and a special type of kind of structure to properly light and film people with darker complexions. The two perfect examples of how to do this recently was Moonlight, from a couple years ago, and the show Insecure with Issa Rae. Both of those are just masterclasses in mixing purples, blues, pinks in the color spectrum to light your subjects who have darker skin. There are so many scenes in this film that are just beautiful to watch, and contextually, they make sense. So utilizing those purples, pinks, and blues, when we see Kelvin uh, as his character's name Tyler, when you see Tyler go to a party to meet up with Alexis, and these colors are just dancing off of his skin and the other characters who have darker complexions, it was just, it was beautiful. The other interesting thing as far as the filming aspect, this movie starts with I gotta see it behind the scenes of how how he did this because it was really fascinating. So it starts in the car and with Tyler and Alexis just kind of driving down this beautiful uh, Florida highway. Sun is out, you know, they're just relaxing. The camera kind of starts in the back seat and spins. You know, it shows Tyler driving, it shows Alexis in the passenger seat with their feet up and just relaxing, but it continues to spin. In this 360-degree motion that I mean, it it could be a steady cam, or it could be something mounted into the center, you know, console of the of the car. But the movement of it, the fluidity of the movement, was fascinating. And he does that a couple different times. I say he because it was either Trey Edward Schultz or the cinematographer or somebody who had that idea to film at that very specific way where we were getting this 360-degree perspective unbroken, you know, to see the different looks and the different feels that the characters have. Really, really cool just filming technique that, that I enjoyed. As far as the story itself, so when we see Tyler early on in the film taking pain pills, you know, kind of we see his his downward spiral and nobody else really sees it except for his sister. And she has a chance to help and she does help, but she, ah, this is, this one is tough. Again, she, she basically finds out as the movie progresses, there's something she possibly could have avoided from happening. And that kind of haunts her. You know, some decisions that she made earlier in the film. Almost every character in this film makes decisions that have dramatic repercussions with every other person. So, I mean, to use it, I mean, it's it just kind of right there. The name of the title is, name of the movie is Waves. Every single person with those interactions when they drop a stone in the water and it sends those ripple effects, it sends those waves crashing into every other person in this film to dramatic effect. Even the simplest things that we see where we kind of start to see some, maybe not, uh, hmm. <laughs> We maybe don't see passive, uh, tones but we see some calm nature and we see some kind of working through some relatively calm emotions. And then in the blink of an eye, a flip gets switched and it is back to just this raw energy that punches you in the gut. And this happens several times in the movie. So, Again, this is a tough one to go kind of in detail with because there are just a lot of things that happen that would be it would be too much to to kind of go into in this and it would give away a little bit too much. But I will say the structure of this was, was an interesting choice. I do wish that it had been a mini-series or something. That being said, the ensemble for this movie is also phenomenal. This is definitely going to get a nod from me for our year-end critic awards for Best Ensemble. Everybody pulls their weight. Everybody gives a performance that is pretty stunning. If not more than one performance. And even at the end of this film, we're left not really knowing if everybody was able to say what they needed to say, say what they wanted to say, say what just would kind of wrap things up for the characters themselves, not necessarily the movie, but for each other. And so we're left with this uncomfortability of like, just talk, just, just say something. And we never really have that. And I mean, the characters only really one of them has a coping mechanism. And that is Tyler and Tyler's coping mechanism is Drugs and alcohol and wrestling. But when he is unable to do one or more of those things based off of things that happen in the film, that is what really sets off this downward spiral that, again, has repercussions for everyone else in the film. Um Selfishly, I wanted more scenes of Renee Elise Goldsberry singing only because she is a phenomenal singer and performer. She's a Tony Award winner. So she does get a couple moments where she is singing, and I loved that. Give her more roles where she can sing. Sterling K. Brown is phenomenal, as always. It is Sterling K. Brown. Uh, And then the two newer actors, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Taylor Russell, and then Alexis as Alexa Demi, are all great. Like I said, everybody holds their weight. When you are acting against someone like Sterling K. Brown or somebody with the experience both on stage and on screen that Renee Elise Goldsberry has, that can be intimidating, but everybody made sense. Everybody just worked really well off of each other. So Waves is one of the better movies of the year. Like this is a great character study, even though, like I said, I had my problems with the structure of it itself. But that does not take away from the film itself. My official rating for Waves is a good. Super enjoyed this movie. Try and find it. Again, It, I believe they are rolling it out nationwide this week or possibly on the 27th. It get a, got a little bit weird with that. So, But there will be links to the IMDb profile in the episode description. Go ahead and click through and find it in your area. So that kind of wraps it up. This actually was a pretty short episode. So I gave Honey Boy a good and Waves a good as well. Both movies having to do with the father-son dynamic and just family dynamic. Both movies have Lucas Hedges in them, which is interesting, but at the same time, the guy just he likes to work and he stays busy with really cool projects. And I did not talk about him too much in Waves because again, it would go into more things that happened in the third act, which I do not really want to go into right now, but he is solid in Waves and Honey Boy, as I have come to expect from him in pretty much all of his things. So, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, That really helps out. It really makes me just uh, happy to do these things, especially when I get feedback uh, recently, after coming back, you know, into producing these, after taking some time off, it has been really great having people reach out to me and say that they, well, I had somebody say they missed hearing my voice, and that was really nice. Uh, I hear my voice in my headphones when I'm in the studio all the time. Uh, that is that is like saying I would not hear it in my head anyway. You know what I mean. But thank you, everybody, for for listening, for supporting the show. If you want to show your support in other ways, you can do that. There's a direct PayPal link as well as an Amazon wish list. Uh, it is the holidays, so spend that money with your family and friends. There is no pressure to help out the studio. Times are always tougher on the holidays, so I, I respect that. Uh, but definitely follow the podcast on social media at About Tree View. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.com/slash About Review. Give a like. Retweet something, that would be great. Start a dialogue, about to review at gmail.com as well. If you have any questions or show ideas, let me know. So for this episode of the About True To Review podcast, I have been your host, that guy named John. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby.